hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. You can give better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation just by listening to Heart Health Radio. This is Dave Alexander along with Dr. Franklin Weefald. Hello, sir. How are you? I am A-OK today. How are you? Good. As you can tell, Dr. Weefald is out of town, but that's all right. We're going to do the show. You can still call in. Our number is 919-860-9783. And though the doctor doesn't diagnose on the radio... Uh, he can certainly t- give you the questions or that you would go to your own doctor for. Uh, and a lot of people have done that. Over the last couple of years, that's been, the, to me, the best part of the show. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I like to do is give explanations and give uh, information about the kinds of things that you could actually bring to your doctor as questions and as topics of conversation. Right. To get your health better. And I'm extending the length of my visits with my doctor because of this show. <laughs> I have no, more I have more to ask. You're taking the uh, uh, laptop computer screen and, and abruptly closing it. Yeah. Which uh, brings, uh, I tell you, I've had patients tell me they've been doing that. Yeah. And, oh, my, I'm glad that, that I'm not in the room. I mean, that's like taking candy away from a baby. Can you imagine the expression on that doctor's face when his link to life is slammed down? My general practitioner is general. I don't think he's doing his notes while he's in front of me, which is a good thing. He is pointing and clicking on things. I don't know what they are, but I know he's got two two tablets. One of them, I think, is just for uh, medicines. Right, if he wants to to write me a prescription, he can just push a couple of buttons. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is it, it is still, difficult. Yeah, I still can't do it. I I have tried on several occasions to yeah. bring the laptop computer in. Sure, and it, it is a little better. I mean, suppose there is, you know, one piece of information that you you know I didn't bring in with me. Mm-hmm. I suppose I could click on it and pull it up, but then the problem is, it's just seems to take my attention permanently away from the patient right. and onto the piece of machinery, and I just can't stand it. Um, it's, it's, still don't do it. it's funny. Doctors turn into teenagers. Essentially, you want to say, hey, no phones at the table. Yeah. Right. So I probably kill two trees a day because <laughs> I, I have my staff yeah. print everything out. Yeah. I print out my last note. I have them print out the, the basics of the past history of the patient. And then, you know, if there's a CT scan report I need to show, the labs I need to show, so yeah. I walk in with a sheet of papers and uh, a pen and a blank sheet of paper I can take notes on. But yeah. every now and then, I don't have something I need. So I just call. Right. 
yeah, I call my uh, assistant and say, can you bring this in? And they do. And That's that good. keeps my focus and my mind on the people in front of me, that patient and their family. Okay, so to, today's show, we're going to talk about COVID numbers. There are a lot of breakthrough cases. Some articles are appearing, you know, in certain states, certain places, there are thousands and thousands of breakthrough cases. And I, I want, you, you kind of focused me, you pointed the article at me and said, no, 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 that's not the number to look at. Uh, and we'll talk about that. Also, something called the love hormone. I'm just glad there's something called the love hormone. Um, and in a com- and in a completely different article, Viagra is linked to the a decrease in Alzheimer's. We got to start with it. We're going to start talking about Kentucky because it may be fifty people, probably more, likely dead in Kentucky with tornadoes uh, hitting the central and southern U.S. Have you ever Very been? Sad. Have you ever been in an emergency department where there's been a catastrophe? Yes. Um, really? It's, yeah. Um, there was a hurricane. Not a hurricane. Was it a hurricane? Tornado. Yeah. In North Raleigh. I don't know. Were you living here then? It was in uh, the early 19, no, late 1980s. And it hit North Raleigh. Yeah. And uh, they probably had. I don't know, a uh, half a dozen deaths maybe, and but just tremendous numbers right. of casualties. So there was a mass casualty action at a local hospital, and I had a chance uh, to participate. Right. And I will say this, um, amazing hospital personnel, emergency personnel, they had a system, and they still have a system where people are paged or called, right. um, and everybody, everybody hustles in, and it... Um, turned out to be a wonderful experience uh, in the sense that while there was great suffering, right. I saw great heroism on the part of the nurses and physicians and the technicians and everybody involved. And it, it can be um, quite uh, enlisting, uh, lifting of your spirits, yeah. how many people can participate and save lives. Well, on heart. the other hand, Yes. Uh, difficult to see suffering. And, you know, I always tell people that the reason why I, you may not think that I'm concerned is uh, I'm not, you know, excited and yelling and, right. you know, shouting out directions. It's, it's the opposite. It is doing the best I can for those people by remaining calm. Right. And I will say this, it, it, it's an act. Okay. Yeah. Um, I say to myself, what would Clint Eastwood do? <laughs> my day. And it really? sounds stupid. No, you've got but, a job to do. Well, but it's more than that. It is also, as a physician, bringing an example to the group that, yeah. hey, if we stay calm and keep our heads, heads together, we can do this. Right. We can make a difference. So I'm, I'm uh, tremendously proud to be a part of a profession that uh, will get their act together and, and try to work on mass casualty situations in a calm manner and right. yet um, save lives and save limbs, uh, life and limb. It's fantastic. There's an article that you and I, the fellow who went to med school and the fellow who went to DJ school, disagree on strongly. Uh, uh, it is a, The headline is Viagra linked to decrease in Alzheimer's. Yeah. Really? Now, 
I, I really, uh, you know, when I said this today, it was going to be in the uh, fake news segment. Because <laughs> everybody, you know, has to giggle when you hear about Viagra. And sure. I remember when I first started to use Viagra, and the generic name is Sildenafil, S-I-L-D-E-N-A-F-I-L. Yeah. And when I first started to use Sildenafil for other situations, uh, the first one was something called pulmonary hypertension. And that's where the arteries in your lung, and there are blood vessels in your lungs, actually. You know that because the right ventricle pumps the blue deoxygenated blood into the lung, called the pulmonary artery, where it then flows into the air sacs, picks up the oxygen, and then flows into the pulmonary veins, which go into the left side of the heart. Yeah. Well, you can get a condition where the blood pressure is too high in the arterial segment of the lung. It's called pulmonary hypertension. Sure. It can come from uh, lung disease. So if you have scar tissue in the lungs, uh, pulmonary fibrosis, it comes from clots in the lungs uh, if you get what's called a pulmonary embolus. And that causes the blood pressure to rise. Well, they started studying Viagra because it has a particular mechanism to dilate arteries. And they asked themselves, will this work for uh, high blood pressure in the lungs? And the answer was, yes, it did. Yeah. So when I started using it, I would tell patients I'm prescribing sildenafil. And they'll come back and they'll say, doctor, we thought I'm a female. Why are you giving me Viagra? <laughs> okay. My... Uh, um, pharmacist told me that you're giving me Viagra, and since I don't have the male sexual organ, I shouldn't take it. <laughs> and so that was a long explanation. But l let's go back to the history of Viagra. It was developed um, and I, by Pfizer yeah. as a possible drug for angina to dilate the arteries, uh, the coronary arteries, and improve coronary blood flow. When they did the study, and we talked about these double-blind, randomized trials, they took 5,000 people and gave them a sugar pill, and they gave the other ones the Viagra. Yeah. And, and there was a slight difference in the amount of chest discomfort people had. But, you know, these studies, they searched for everything. So they did a survey. What, you know, were the side effects? And it wasn't listed as a side effect, but a bunch of men told. <laughs> The people, hey, uh, you know, I don't know if this is a, a coincidence, but I had an erection for the first time in years. Give me some more. And so then. Can I sign up for the study for another right. six months? Yeah. Right. And so they deactivated uh, the study for coronary artery disease and put all their um, uh, pennies. Yeah. To yeah. The erectile dysfunction. Sure. There's so, money in that. Yeah. Absolutely. There was. Uh, yeah. Now it's generic. If people don't know, um, you don't have to get the little blue pill anymore. Uh, there is generic sildenafil, and uh, there is generic cadalafil, which is Cialis. And one of the things that I think people need to know is this good RX. I mean, if you need to get Viagra, generic Viagra, you have to have a prescription, and you have to talk to your doctor before you get it. Do not do it online. Yeah. Uh, they may ask you the right questions, but they don't know your history. And the two drugs you cannot take with Viagra are nitroglycerin in any way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. or, a or an alpha blocker that's used for benign prosthetic hypertrophy called tamsulosin um, or hydrin. Now, here's the thing, yeah. is that they've already repurposed Tadalafil, which is, again, a long-acting form of Viagra, for 
BPH, BPH, benign prostatic hypertrophy. It is actually FDA approved for that. Yeah. So what it does is it increases the blood flow, allows um, the prostate to shrink, yeah. and it works for a lot of people. So what they're finding out now is that um, sildenafil and tadalafil, they dilate tiny arteries in the brain. And one of the things that can cause dementia is something called multi-infarct, yeah. small artery disease, where little clots form, and also the small arteries that feed directly to the brain cells. They can get sick and scarred and not dilated. So there was a lot of, of uh, attention paid um, to people who were getting Viagra as to whether or not their memories seemed to be better. Now. Um, it was true yes. that the people who had been on Viagra and Sodalafil for a long period of time claimed that their memories were better. And, of course, maybe it's just because they're remembering the last night's activity. I'm, th- I'm thinking that the reason yeah. that they're healthier overall is they've got more to live for. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, that's, that's hang on, possible. hang possible on just a moment. We're, we're going to continue this in just yeah. a moment. Also, right. we're going to mention some people who belong to be sh- who need to be shamed. That's coming up. Telephone number here nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. This is Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com, or you can just do what you've been doing, which is a great thing. Listen on the radio. That's fine. Dr. Weefold, this idea of Viagra and Alzheimer's, yes. uh, it, 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 is it generally, well, the argument is more blood flow in the brain is better. Yeah, and so there's two things. There's these things called tau proteins yeah. that sort of just um, – uh, uh, go into the brain, right? And they clog up all the neuron neuron function. So sure. The, 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 the thinking is with Alzheimer's that if you increase the blood flow, uh, you may clear out these proteins due to increased blood flow. Yeah. Now, I don't want anyone to think that they're going to go out and ask their doctor at this point in time to get a Viagra prescription, mm-hmm. male or female, in order to uh, preserve their brain function. It's being studied. The initial results are extremely promising. Right. Um, now, remember, a doctor can prescribe any approved medication and repurpose it. Right. I don't want you to ask your doctor for this medication yet. It's not for sure. Right. There are definite side effects, especially if you're taking, like I said, nitrates or a medicine for EPH, Tamsulose, and um, prostate problems. So there's going to be some caution. But one of the things I like to do in the show is let people know of the hope that's in the future. Right. And there's lots of things being done. Uh, Alzheimer's is a devastating disease. But remember, dementia can also come from strokes. And um, so that's really important. When people get dementia, make sure your doctor does a workup. Um, there is a specific set of things they need to do, and don't just assume it's Alzheimer's. So, um, again promising situation here there's a yeah yeah, there's an article that that i thought was going to be in the shame segment because i thought this fellow was just talking out of his his head Uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna be polite senator ron johnson says 
mouthwash as a COVID-19 treatment. It is, absolutely. Um, let, me, let me talk to people about some things that I want to say yeah. without coming off as a quack and saying, do this instead of get a vaccine. Right. Um, all of you who listen to the show know that I think vaccines are wonderful. Every vaccine that's out there is wonderful, uh-huh. and especially the COVID-19 vaccines, because they've saved a lot of lives. We still have a tremendous number of people um, dying and getting sick and being hospitalized. Right. But one of the things that I'm trying to say is the case rates are very high now, going up, but our hospitalizations aren't rising as fast, and our death rates are not rising as fast, and that's because of the vaccine, but also the treatment. Now, let's get on to mouthwash. What does this mean? Um, mouthwash contains alcohol. I don't know if you know Listerine is 70% alcohol. Yeah. Um, one of the problems I used to have at Johns Hopkins emergency room was guys coming in swigging bottles of Listerine and being very, very drunk. I mean, you know, wine is 14% alcohol. Listerine is 70%. Oh my. Alcohol. Yeah. I'm talking about ethyl alcohol. It kills germs. Now, I don't, when I was a kid, Listerine would say, if you were cold, 99.9% effective in killing germs. It right. is. But since they hadn't done a clinical study to show that gargling with Listerine reduces cold, they made them stop saying it. And that's rightly so. But when you look at a retrospective analysis, there are several things that people do. And they, these people who do these things have a lower incidence of not only getting COVID, but getting sick from COVID. Now, since they haven't done a double-blind randomized trial, the FDA says it's not proof. But right. if you gargle with Listerine, let me back up, those people who gargle with Listerine two or three times a day have had a lower incidence of COVID infection. The second thing is if you use a nasal saline sinus rinse mm-hmm. two or three times a day, you had those people who did that were retrospectively seen to have a lower incidence of COVID. Salt water gargling, and, I, and you take salt and you make it really salty instead yeah. of it being you know, half a teaspoon in eight ounces of water, you do a teaspoon and a half. And that's a hypertonic saline. That means that it'll draw water out of bacteria and viruses when it's exposed to those things in your yeah. mouth. Those people who gargle retrospective with saline retrospectively had a lower incidence of COVID. Now they're coming on to something that I want to tread carefully on. Yeah. President Trump never said to inject bleach. He asked if it were going to be possible to use bleach as a disinfectant inside the body. Now, there is something coming out, and actually it's been out for two years, hypochlorous acid. It's made from bleach. Do not try this at home. No. Because you have to dilute it with water and then electrify it. It's called electrolysis. It's just like taking hair off if you put an electric current through it. Well, you put an electric current through it, and it changes slightly the chemical uh, nature of the uh, bleach, the Clorox, and turns it into a, a substance that kills COVID. But you can drink it because it is so benign. And what they're looking at now is instead of saline rinses, they're putting in hypochlorous acid into the saline rinse, and they're actually preventing in limited studies people getting COVID, and yeah. they're actually helping people who have COVID to get better quickly by killing the, back, uh, the virus. Right. So this is 
not something you should do. Um, you can buy hypochlorous acid. In fact, that's how I disinfect my office between patients. Um, my, my ex-wife, Vicki, is actually a distributor. It is FDA-approved for this purpose. It is not FDA-approved to put in your nose uh, as a nasal rinse. Yeah, let's not do uh, that. Or a gargle. Uh, yeah, I think not. there's a chance it may be in the future. I don't know. But we go in with the sprayer. It's, it kind of reminds me of the sprayer that my mom used to use on, on her tomatoes in the back. You know, it sprays, it, it's a big thing, and you push it, and it sprays, you know, the mist. That's yeah. what we do. We mist everything. And really? It's been shown. Absolutely. Hypochlorous acid. So I think that if it does pan out uh, as, a, uh, or as a topical human uh, disinfectant, um, it would be an amazing thing. Uh, you can use it to disinfect your hand. Um, sure. If you get a, mm-hmm. a problem, if you have a problem with the uh, hand sanitizer, um, this stuff doesn't irritate your skin. I've used it myself to try it out. Sprayed it all over my hand. Nothing uh, bad. And it kills the COVID uh, virus and basically the other virus as well. All right. So now, I think that's a promising thing. Too, okay. Now, do not, when... Do when not s- do this. When Senator Johnson said uh, what he said about mouthwash, again, if you're taking your medical advice from a senator, uh, you gargle. might. Gargle. Yeah, yeah, he just said gargle. Isn't it. Close this way. This is something that can't hurt you unless you drink the gargle. Yeah, don't drink it. So yeah. don't drink the Listerine. And if gargle. you've got COVID, mm-hmm. you, for you individually, gargling's not going to help you. I Am I right? Might. You I'm might? Gonna okay. This. I'm not going to say that it does. Um, I'm going to say that it might. Um, okay. My recommendation would be if you have COVID, if you have sore throat, uh, and that's one of the things, pharyngitis, is that take eight ounces of distilled water. You can probably use tap water. Yeah. Heat it to 30 degrees in the microwave, and then add a teaspoon of salt, just a teaspoon. Stir it up and gargle. Gargle. And it, what it does is it helps remove some of the, the mucus, and it also helps to soothe the irritation. And uh, right. I think that Listerine would also be very uh, beneficial, as, well, possibly beneficial, as long as you don't swallow it. Okay. Remember, when you gargle in the back of your throat, you mist the mixture of gargle up into your nasal cavity. Okay, so we're going to... It may we're, also help that as well. We're going to pick up this topic maybe later in the show. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. Dr. Franklin Weefald is here with us. How you doing, sir? Doing very, very well. It's a beautiful day, actually, if you like uh, cloudiness, but warmth. I went out. Let's talk about those uh, those tornado victims. It's uh, yeah, one of the it's things bad. I think people don't realize what you should do. Yeah. When there's a tornado warning, and um, a lot of times you really can't do much of anything. It's right. interesting because people always say, "Well, it's the trailer parks that that get um, devastated." And right. The main reason is because they are very uh, lightweight um, structures. Right. And the the ability of a structure like that to withstand uh, the sideways winds. You have 200 miles an hour, sometimes 250 miles an hour, yeah. inside the swirling tornado. 
And it's not just that you can anchor your uh, mobile home or your um, uh, domicile to the right. ground with those uh, um, you know, wires. Right. It, it's not enough to keep it from lifting off the ground. It's the fragile nature of the wall. And so what do you do if you are in a structure, even your house? You want to get to a place that's secure. A closet is mm-hmm. usually better mm-hmm. as long as you don't have things like that. Why to get in the bathtub? Well, it all depends on what kind of bathtub you have. If you have a porcelain metal one, that if you're lying flat, that can protect you from things flying sideways right. because it's so heavy. But um, remember uh, Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz? They, yes. Uh, they had a cellar where you yep. can do that. Now, the problem in going to your basement is that you have to go up against the wall, uh, and it has to be a concrete or a, a masonry basement. And if you're up against the wall, if things fall downward, yes. it generally will fall in a, in a slant so that you're protected in the, in the end. Cover yourself with something heavy as well. Right. And, a lot of times there's really not much you can do. If you're in a car, get out of your car and go into a, the lowest area you can find, like a ditch, because that will have less pressure if you're in the ditch. And it's just a sad, sad thing when these things happen. It's so unpredictable right. as well. Right. The, um, the insulin prices are going up. Now, I take a little bit of insulin. I've now got it, gotten it down to maybe three injections of about six units a day. That's pretty good because I'm yeah, not eating you, anything that's triggering my blood sugar. Yeah. Are you on a long-acting insulin, too? Yeah, I am, but I'm, I I kind of backed off on that as well because I'm afraid. That's great. I, I'm afraid that I, I don't want to. I really don't want to take it at all. But there's also the fact yeah. that I don't like the super low situation. Yeah. Well, that's the biggest problem for people who've had a history of heart disease, which is why people need to know and remember, yeah. uh, we talked about it on the show, there's two types of diabetes. Right. The first type, actually now, I'm sorry, there are three. The first type is type 1, and that used to be called juvenile, but we don't say that anymore because we're finding people in their 20s getting type 1 and type right. 1. You have to have insulin because your body has stopped making it. Right. And so for those people in particular, the crisis in insulin prices is, is getting ridiculous. And if you don't have insurance, and in sometimes even if you do, the prices of an injectable pen, which is the most convenient form of insulin, are now, for some people, 300 400 even $600 a month. No and if kidding. you don't have insurance, it's a nightmare. Now. One of the things that people need to remember is that there are generic insulins right. that you can inject, but you have to draw them up yourself. And that's one of the problems. The newer insulins are not the same. They are modified, and they actually work better. So Humulog, which is, is that what you use, or Novolog? That's, both of those are familiar. I, I don't... Yeah, so they're, they're, they're not the complete molecule of insulin. They right. are modified and truncated so they work more efficiently. And so they are better in the sense that uh, it, there, it seems to be better control when you use the more modern ones. Trujillo, for example, yeah. is a new one. It's a long-acting insulin. It works very, very well. It's incredibly expensive. Now, you can get something 
called lente, L-A-N-T-E insulin, which is a long-acting insulin, which you have to draw it up out of the bottle into some of these we used to call it insulin syringes. Right. They're one ml or one cc, and you can draw them up very carefully and, and regulate your dose that way. Right. Um, they work, but if you switch from one of the fancier injectable pen insulins, you've got to do it very carefully because the doses are different, the units are different. Yeah. And for example, the short acting chemo called regular insulin, mm-hmm. that works well too. But it has a different onset of action. It has a different um, uh, amount of time that will stay in your body. Now, that's one way to get around the high cost. Right. Walmart sells these things ex- extremely cheaply, um, extremely low prices. Right. Uh, these old-fashioned, quote-unquote, insulins that work well. I mean, my gosh, we used them when I was a resident and, and an intern and in the beginning of my career. And they work very, very well. But... The, the crime, and I'm going to call it a crime, of the insulin prices that are out there nowadays is preventing um, a lot of people from getting their health. So the article that I showed you, Dave, is about a young woman who had no insurance, who was a type 1 diabetic, right? and basically could not afford um, these uh, injectable insulins. What she needs to do is find a physician who can guide her through the transition back to little vials of insulin and drawing up the insulin on your own and injecting it. And I think that can work, but it has to be done very, very carefully because you have to get it exactly right. And you can't just use the same old, uh, same old that you used to use with the injectable pen. Now, they're trying to do something about this. They're trying to cap the price of insulin that somebody has to pay. Right. And I'm not a socialist, I'm not a communist, but I think there are some times when government regulation has to come in, right? Because it's, these prices are just getting ridiculous. You're, you've got good insurance, right? You've got okay. the state health. I've got the state insurance, and they don't, they haven't blinked about the insulin. And how much do you have to pay as a copay for insulin? Almost nothing. I don't. Yeah. I, the fact that I don't remember it indicates to me that it's not much. Yeah. So, um. We have to do something about it, right. and we have to do it now, because it's getting to the point where even people who have Medicare Part D insurance, I've got people that I, I have to supply with samples of the long-acting insulin, the Trujillo, yeah, because they, it's $400 even with their insurance, right. which is absolutely absurd. Now, going back to this type 2 diabetes, that's a disease where you have insulin, but it just doesn't work appropriately. Yes. Your body doesn't excrete it at the right time. Yeah. Insulin is not the, the method of choice. So you have type 2 diabetes and you're doing the right thing, trying to wean yourself off of insulin. Right. You have your own insulin. So the medicines that we use now um, try to make your own insulin work better. Mm-hmm. Uh, those examples that is Trulicity or Ozempic, that's a medicine called a GLP-1 agonist. It helps. It's a, it's a natural hormone that helps your pancreas excrete the right amount of insulin, and then it helps the insulin work at the, the target of the cell to make it more efficient in bringing sugar out of the bloodstream and into your cell. Yeah. Another big one, believe it or not, another big one is called an SGL2, um, and, and that's Jardiance or Forsegia. Right. And the way it works is it's a glucose transport inhibitor. What does that mean? It means as the sugar 
is filtered into the urine from the kidney, mm-hmm. it's drawn back in by the end part of the kidney functioning mechanism. So if you inhibit that drawing back in mechanism, you basically pee out sugar. Right. And that has been shown to be an excellent way to do it. And it reduces the risk of heart failure. It's a tremendous advance. The problem is expense, expense, expense. Yeah. It's very expensive. Very few Medicare D insurers are covering it at a decent rate, although that's getting better. Right. Are you on that as well, Dave? Are you on procedure? I'm, I'm on Ozempic once a week. Um, you know, I, honestly, I have to be grateful for the insurance I have yeah. because I just checked my blood sugar using my arm patch. Yeah. And I call it a patch. It's really like carrying around a, a, a poker chip on my arm. I hardly notice it's there unless I bump my arm against something. Isn't, isn't this the key that you took um – your COVID vaccine, and now you're um, magnetic, right? It's just sticking. Yeah, no, 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 no. It oh. doesn't stick to it. Oh, there, it has an adhesive thing, and it, and it has a little tiny, I won't even call it a, a needle. It's got a wire that goes into my arm, and I don't feel it. It's no big deal. And if anybody's got the insurance that will cover that, I'm telling you, yeah. that is the game changer. Yeah. You, the CGM, Continuous Glucose Monitor. What's the brand you have? I have Libra something. Vibra Libra. Libra. Freestyle Libre, right. And there's another one, the name I'm blanking on right now, that works very well, too. It's two weeks, right? You slap it on for two weeks. Yeah, it's a 14-day patch, and and I think my copay is like 50 bucks. Now, that's okay for you. But now, I've got patients who literally, are living on eight hundred dollars social security check. I understand, yeah. So fifty bucks a month is a lot. Now what I have Oh no no, that's a hundred bucks a month. Yeah. That's two fourteen two fourteen day patches. Oh and and they are fifty an item. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well um the, the, you've seen the commercials for one of them and I won't I won't say which one it is, but yeah. it's monitors. It's a big heavy set guy. Yeah, yep. And he's sitting in front of a banana split. Yeah. Okay. And he takes his glucose, gives him some insulin, and yes. chows down on the bananas. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And this is the thing I want to tell people. <laughs> it's not a magic device so that you can chow down on a banana split and give yeah. yourself extra <laughs> insulin. Because when you give yourself extra insulin, you're flooding your body with this hormone. And you don't want to do that. Yeah. Because people who rely on insulin for type 2 diabetes don't lose weight the insulin actually makes you gain a little bit yes and it's not a good thing the the trulicity ozempic yeah they are now being used for weight loss you've heard the medicine wagovi yeah and it is a miracle medicine now that is flying off the shelves for a thousand dollars a month um to lose weight right it is ozempic it is the same thing in a diff. it's old wine and new bottle yep or new wine and old bottles, whatever. Anyway, it's the same thing. Sure. And it, the interesting thing about Wegovy and about Ozempic is if you're not diabetic, it doesn't lower your sugar. Shazam! But it will lower your weight 8 to 10% in six months. Now, I've had even greater success with that. So the, the diabetics who take um, Ozempic or Trulicity, the 
uh, uh, GLP-1 agonists, yeah. they lose weight. And the other people who lose weight are the people who take your insulin for a seizure. Yeah. The people who don't lose weight, who have type 2 diabetes, are the people who rely mainly on insulin. That is a bad thing. Yeah, I, you, have I, insulin. you have insulin in your body, Dave. Right. It just doesn't work right. I feel that I feel that it, during periods of time when I'm forced to give myself more insulin because I've eaten whatever, the combination of the insulin and the carbohydrates seems to put weight on me. Oh, it does. Yeah. Because what it's doing is driving more sugar into your fat cells. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to get off of that as much as possible. Right. People don't know this. I had two Thanksgiving dinners with Dave. Yeah. And he sat next to me each time. Now, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did you purposely eat right that day? No. I, no. Didn't, I didn't see you eat the stuffing, which is bread. Yeah. It had a little bit of mashed potatoes. You uh-huh. stayed away from the gravy. Yep. And I didn't see you chow down on the bread. So I was I was pretty impressed. Well, you got the green the green vegetables, you got the turkey, <laughs> you had a little bit of mashed potatoes. Yeah. But I didn't see the bread. The bread was fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, right. you're doing well. How much uh, how much long acting insulin are you down to now? I'm down to none. Long, I, so that's it. I'm down Just to none. I, the sliding scale. I mean, if my numbers are good, I'm not going to touch it. No, I don't think that's great. Yeah. Are you taking metformin too? I, I've forgotten what my that sounds familiar. What is that? Twice a day, 500 milligrams. Metformin is a really good medicine. It yeah. prevents. Believe it or not, your liver has a bunch of sugar in it in yeah. the form of something called glycogen. So it is a it is sugar that is <laughs> uh, modified to sit in the liver. So if you're starving, uh, you're fasting, you can create sugar by breaking down the glycogen in your mm-hmm. liver, and then that goes into the bloodstream. Well, metformin prevents that. So if you're diabetic and you take metformin, your liver does not break down the glycogen and turn it into sugar as frequently. That's one of my pills, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, listen, we we've got to t- we got to t- pause just for a moment. In just a moment, we're going to talk about twins who were saved through an operation. You won't believe where they did the operation. Um, and the love hormone. I want to get to the love hormone. We talked about Viagra earlier. There's something right. The love hormone, oxytocin, or something like that. And it, it 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 might help weight loss. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio. Well, you know you make me wanna kick my heels up and throw my hands up Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to Heart Health Radio. You can call us anytime noon to two on a Saturday. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. These twins had a rare condition. What was it called? Uh, well, they were potentially going to get twin transfusion syndrome. Yeah. So you can have identical twins. Most of the time, they'll have their own placenta. Yeah. So that is the umbilical cord attaches to the inside of the uterus and grows blood cells into the uterus so that they can uh, feed off the blood of the mom. Yeah. Well, sometimes there's only one placenta for two twin babies. And what can happen is one twin, and you, know, you don't want to call it the evil twin because it's not his or her fault, will start to suck the blood away from the other twin. Wow. And by that, it's called twin transfusion. 
So it's just a matter of chance, and that placenta, part of the placenta that goes to the one twin, draws the blood from the other one, and the other twin doesn't do well. Either is born um, very, very small, or actually dies in utero, in the utero. Oh so they went in, uh, they recognized this was about to happen, and they went in to the uterus with a, uh, a scope, uh, a laparoscope, but this would be a ureteroscope, and they were able to modify um, the uh, blood vessels in the placenta to sort of separate enough so that one twin got his or her set of blood and the other twin got his or her set of blood, and they both did well. And I think this is fantastic. Yeah. They've been doing a lot of surgery now in utero. Spina bifida corrections, that's when there's not a closure around the spinal cord. Yeah. Um, they've even done some heart uh, operations this way. And I am just uh, telling you, that whoever tells you American medicine is terrible is lying. Right. You're fantastic. The thing, we need to, well, the thing we need to do is make our American medicine more available and equitable. Right. And uh, I'm not quite sure how to do it yet, but one of the ways that I do it is I give free care. I don't give as much free care as I used to because I can't afford it. Um, the prices have gone. I've had to hire two new people this year just to cover and do what's called prior authorizations for the new Medicaid plans and for the Medicare plans and for Blue Cross Blue Shield. Right. You know, I know something. Yeah. I never get turned down. Every time I request a test, every time I request a medicine, I can justify it. I wish they would just find a situation where they would screen me and say, yes, we believe you from now on. But no, they won't do that. So um, I think that pro bono care for lawyers right. is the same thing that we can do in medicine. And I think that's one way, at least. But I can't do as much now. It's a shame. There's some... There's, I, I'm trying to arrange a, an operation. If we ever have time, we'll talk about Dave's twist and turn. And, you know, prior authorization has something to do with it. But oh in, in your case, you have to kind of sell the, the treatment to the insurance company. Yeah. So here's the process. And this is something I think the patients need to know. Um, suppose you need to have an MRI and you have Blue Medicare, okay? That's the Blue Cross Blue Shield Medicare Advantage. It's yeah. a private Medicare system. Yeah. I have to have a person that I pay get on the computer, and I have to tell them what the indications are. So I have it written down for my um, uh, assistant to type into the computer. Yeah. And I would say 80% of the time that goes through, mm -hmm. but a lot of times it doesn't. And so there's two ways they have to do it. Well, they have to send a note in. Uh, a very detailed note describing what and what you're looking for and why you need to do the procedure. Yeah. A lot of times that gets turned down. So it's called a peer-to-peer. It just make sure your doctor has the strength to get a peer-to-peer because -peer, it's actually very easy. Um, they call, they, they have these doctors who work part-time yeah. doing these prior authorizations, and they'll call me. I'll explain it, and I'll get it approved. Um, but it's a very, it's, I, and I, it's a hassle. Right. And I have to think that one of the reasons why they make it such a hassle is so the physician will just give up and quit. Yes. But anyway, um, it's just one of those things that adds another layer of bureaucracy and adds another layer of uh, medical costs. Right. Um, 
We we just shouted out the Yale Medicine Fetal Care Center in case. Yes. In case anybody That's wondered, right. just Google that, Yale Medicine Fetal Care Center, and you might get this story about the, the surgery. And, and it's interesting, right? Yeah. They're operating on some of these babies that are 17 weeks. Yeah. 18 weeks. Yeah. And so they're people, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to get into the arguments uh, about abortion, but I just want everyone to remember that that can operate on a 17-week fetus right. to bring it to term. And it's, it's, I think, one of the hardest things for me to deal with uh, is the abortion issue right. on top of knowing what we can do to keep uh, these little astronaut humans alive. And that's what they are. They're astronaut humans living uh, <laughs> in a space capsule uh, waiting to come uh, out to planet Earth. Hey, did you ever hear of the love hormone before this article? Well, it, you know, I don't. I, oxytocin is a is a big, uh, uh, well known hormone. Yeah. Um, they they use it in in obstetrics uh, for uh, various reasons, but apparently it can induce um, a sensation of um, wanting to be in love. Yeah. When it's infused in a certain way. Um, there is something called pheromones. Have you heard of that? Sure, yeah. So pheromones are chemicals, and insects use them all the time for sexual attractivity. And they they hypothesize that there are human pheromones as well. Right. Um, although, you know, I don't know. Uh, I've never had that work for me. Um, can, I, can I just, can I just, I, I don't know, put this in my coffee? And uh, I don't know. Oxytocin. It has to be infused. Infused. Yeah, but some studies are looking at um, people who have uh, some difficulty in producing emotional uh, emotions of love. Right. And it seems to help. So I don't know. Don't ask your doctor for oxytocin, um, but it, it may. No, I'm going to. In the future, help us understand yeah. um, how we can improve uh, the situations, uh, perhaps in a couple where uh, one person doesn't have the libido that another person has. Oh, yeah. I don't know. But well, well, heading in, again, heading in the right direction. The article says this love hormone nasal spray might help dieters self-control because this has been shown to reduce impulsivity. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking about it for, for autistic kids. Right. So yeah. there's a lot of other reasons. Right. But talked about the love hormone aspect. Um, you know, there are so many repurposed medicines now. Did I tell you about ketamine and depression? Yes. Um, it's really exciting. Uh, you get a little squirt of nasal ketamine, and, and people are um, um, getting out of their depression. We're going to talk about depression and inflammation next hour. We're going to talk about something called UTI-induced delirium. And this is really important for people who have elderly parents or grandparents all right so so hang on for that this is heart health radio heart health radio is for information purposes only before taking any action consult your doctor the following is a paid program and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of wptf or curtis media group information provided is of a general nature listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area
Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. Get better, stay healthy, spot medical misinformation, and have a good time, too. You can get some advice on what you might want to talk to your doctor about by dialing this number, 919-860-9783. Dr. Weefault, how are you doing? Doing very, very well today. I'm glad you're doing well today. The, the, um, the stories we're going to deal with include five grocery items that are plummeting in supply. Now, this means that if I'm mentioning it on the radio, People are going to know that they're in short supply, and they're going to buy them up. Yeah, but, I, you know, I think we're going to be okay. Um, the supply chain business is uh, going to get better, I hope, when more people have to go back to work. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what's really going on with the truck drivers. Um, and, I, you know, what happened to them all? Did they all just quit? Yeah, they decided they didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Huh? Maybe I should. I have Maybe considered I could be a doctor it. on doctor on the week and truck driver on the week. <laughs> do the show from I ninety five. Yes, you know, and uh, have a good time. Just split but your I, time. I'm making a joke. That's a tough job. To yeah, have several patients who are on the road over long haul. They call it truck drivers. Right. Uh, one of them calls horses. The other one uh, goes to Barstow, California. Yeah, picks up on Route forty and picks up. Cabbages, I think, and other types of uh, vegetables. I could do it. I, I just, my family wants you to know that it would not be safe, and that because of the way I drive my car, they suspect driving an eighteen wheeler would be out of the question. A big rig. Uh, backing right, backing up is the only problem I have. But the, we got a story about five grocery items plummeting in supply. We're also going to talk about Elon Musk. Who wants to put a chip in my brain? No, um, thank you. Yeah, I say you first. Um, he he says he's got this company, Neuralink, and they think by 2022 they're going to have a chip that they can put in your brain. I don't know why, but they well, they want to do it. Yeah, there's a there's a sense that technology um, has to move forward into more and more daring things. So, right. For example, um, if you hear that doctors are going to be displaced by computers, right. that's that's the companies in Silicon Valley who are trying to raise money for um, their companies. And if you right. look at the prime example, what's going right now is uh, the young lady, who, well, she's not a young lady anymore, Tyrannos, uh, Elizabeth, what's her right. name? Right, right. I, so I, what was the story with that? Elizabeth right. Holmes, I think. Holmes, yeah. And so she's 19 years old, drops out of Stanford, and she has an idea, and that is she's going to use a finger prick and right. diagnose cancer uh, 50 million times. And they bought it. Yeah. And it's called Fake It Till You Make It. And they basically um, went around to people like George Schultz, yeah. who was the former Secretary of State, who had you know a couple million bucks. And so you wind up with a company with $9 billion of valuation who is faking it until they hope they can make it in life. 
And so Neuralink, I think, is going to be one of those companies where you get this frenzy of uh, technology, mm-hmm. and it just feeds on itself, and people say, I want to get in. It's the next Amazon. Right. And I, I really don't think someone's going to want to have their skull drilled open and have a chip put in there so that they can, I don't know, use their iPhone without talking. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to do that. Right. I don't think anybody in their right mind, so to speak, would want to do that. And, you know, self-driving cars is the, is the same thing. Um, I, I can't understand why somebody can't realize yeah. When you're in a parking garage and there are cars coming from six different directions, yeah, we, a computer is not going to know what to do. And it's, oh, it's connected to the Internet. Well, how many times have you lost Internet signal in a parking garage? <laughs> how many times yes. have you been driving down the road and lost Internet signal? Yes. I mean, I think that everybody needs to take a deep breath and realize that the future is not coming that quickly. And sure, they're going to be the other thing is virtual reality glasses. Okay, right, Dave. You want to walk augmented reality. You want to walk around with these big things over your eyes. I do, yeah. and and yeah. having you know advertisements show up as you walk by a store. It'll say, <laughs> "Hey, come on in. We've got your size, Frank." Yeah, I don't think so. Um, and and all the things that Uber, for example, said. Did you know we were going to have? Um, self-driving Ubers a year ago when they said that five years ago. Sure. So it's all clickbait. It's all um, trying to get the, the venture capitalists to give them money. And yeah. It, I think it's a shame. Don't, Elizabeth Holmes. Come, yeah. If it oh. does come on the market, the yeah. Sterling, yeah. my strong recommendation to my listeners, don't get it. Yeah. The, Elizabeth Holmes from uh, Theranos is now on trial for fraud. Right. So pay atten- pay attention to the latest in a- in technology but be aware that there are frauds in the latest of technology. Right. And the te- and technology is fantastic. I mean, yeah. what we're doing. I mean, you know, we have remote communication, we have all sorts. The internet has been a fantastic thing. Sure. It's also been a horrible thing. Yeah. Um, you know, we have child pornography, we have yep. um you know, internet fraud, where people get into your uh, email and steal all your passwords and yeah. bank accounts. So it, there's a two-edged sword to everything. Um, but you, could you imagine if you had a chip in your brain? And Elon Musk says it is unhackable. If he says it is unhackable, that means it has been hacked all yeah. Yeah. And can you imagine if, if somebody hacked into your brain? I mean, I think somebody hacked into my brain they would like immediately unhack. Right. They would say, disconnect. Yes. I understand. Was the, that was the scariest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so about this article, we're going to move on we're, about grocery items that are becoming difficult to get your hands on. What number one is wine and spirits. Yeah. I think people are, uh, that's part of the supply chain, but it's also demand. Yeah. Um, I think people are anticipating another lockdown or at least a semi-lockdown. So they're stocking up on things that are going to help them get through the lockdown. Well, yeah. But um, have you noticed all these young people now drinking hard seltzer? Have you yes. Yes. What is it called? Truly? Yeah. Um, I think it's a fad, though, because now uh, I don't see as much Truly out in the, the grocery store at my Harris Teeter. 
in my apartment building. So right. Who knows? But what's the other? What's the, what are the other items? The other items: chicken tenders. This is scary. Well, That's, I mean, I, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you like nuggets or tenders? I don't like either one. I I don't need uh, I, mean, I don't need breaded what? chicken. I want people to know out there yeah. that a nugget is not beaks and tails and, and walnuts, okay? <laughs> Talons and I beaks. I actually looked this up. It's <laughs> white meat chicken. It is. Okay. Good stuff. Okay. It is ground up and formed into a nugget. And let me tell you, I'll pick a nugget over um, uh, a tender nine times out of ten. No, ten times out of ten. <laughs> I, I think the Chicken McNugget was one of the greatest inventions of all time. Second, only to the McRib, but we'll go on. Oh, you're not even putting pork rinds in the mix there? Uh, no, I, I don't really like pork rinds. Oh. Now, let me tell everybody. Yeah, uh, yeah. When I talk about this stuff, yeah. it's not to be taken lightly. I think if you have one McRib a week, yes, maybe you know every two weeks or so, have some chicken nuggets. I think they're wonderful. They're <laughs> comfort food. They help. But the no-no diet is the way to go, and that is no flour, yep. no sugar, no white potatoes, no white rice, no sauces. And you know what we've been leaving out, Dave? Is what? Fruits. Is what? Out certain fruits. Fruit. Because people think sugar that's natural, quote-unquote, that is okay. And that's like my patients who use sea salt. Well, right. it's a natural salt. Salt's just salt. Grapes. Right. Grapes, apples, peaches, those are the ones that have very high contents of sugar. Yes. So what you don't know is that an 8-ounce glass of apple juice has more equivalent sugars than a Coca-Cola. And that is the truth. Now, berries are better. So strawberries, raspberries, they don't have as much of the sugar that can be okay. bad for you. So we talk about the no-no diet. You've got to add those particular fruits. Now, no-no does not mean never. Because, you know, what, how many times your mom say that? Say, no, no. Um, then that's what we're trying to say. These are the right. foods you want to cut back on, and uh, it'll reduce inflammation and reduce weight. Right. Uh, but when I talk about a Big Mac and when I talk about a chicken McNugget, that's not for everyday consumption. Right. That's to savor and save up and enjoy. The same article says fresh produce might be... Uh... In yeah, short supply. Right, because they truck that in. So right. The, uh, your, your current tomatoes at the Harris Teeter are sure. from California. Right. Mostly. And they're grown. They're hothouse tomatoes. There are, in fact, you know what's happening now is factory uh, farming is coming on board. And by that I mean, you know, old used warehouses are being repurposed and they grow really good, in fact, organic vegetables indoors. Yeah. Uh, hydroponically, um, that means it's a water-based nutrient system where the roots actually grow into water, not into soil. Right. And then they use UV lights or special, I may, I may be wrong, but special lights. And these vegetables are very good. All right. so New York City and Brooklyn, they become a big farm area. And this got started in the Netherlands. My um, uh, son-in-law um, is from the Netherlands, and it's a, they're producing huge amounts of vegetables. So yeah. that's another good thing that technology can do. And I don't know, 20 years ago, if somebody told me that my tomato was going to be grown in a repurposed factory in Brooklyn yeah. on soil, I would have you know, laughed. But at least they're not asking to put a tomato in my brain right now. Yeah, very good. 
We're going to pick what up is, with what else is what else is on the uh, maple syrup, which that's I don't weird. Yeah, I maple syrup, and I and know. I I'm just a little concerned about the um, about the wine and spirits part. I'm, I'm whenever I'm just going to pick up an extra box, is what I'm going to uh, <laughs> never an extra box of wine for the ladies. Yeah. All right, listen, we're going to pick up with Skip and Raleigh in just a moment. Our number is 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio. Now back to Heart Health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio. 919-860-9783 is the number. Always call between noon and 3 on a Saturday, and we're going to pick up with Skip and Raleigh. With Dr. Franklin Weefold. How you doing, Skip? Hey, how are you guys? Good. What's going on? So uh, this is not a call about technology. I'll get to the point in a minute. But yeah, Dr. Weefold fine. may not be old enough to remember when uh, you would show up in our ED as a trauma patient, not able to tell us much, and we knew nothing about you. And thanks to technology, at least we have a decent chance that there's an electronic patient record out there somewhere, and we can at least find out your blood type and that you're allergic to penicillin or something. You know, so uh, technology has been a really remarkably good thing for healthcare as much as uh, all my years. Um, I, I can't say I always embraced the electronic medical record. Still, it, it was a darn sight better than a paper chart somewhere that we could never see. Are you still there? Yeah, I can't hear. Yes. Yeah. So here's, uh, so I, I tried to call you last week. Uh, because uh, of, uh, Dave, I think it was a comment you made, and um, and it was a uh, it was a taped program, so I, I couldn't get to you, which is yeah. a good thing. But that's fine. Um, well, you're, in the you're interest, here now. In the interest yeah. of full, yeah, in the interest of full disclosure, I'm a PT. I was uh, a rehab manager in a major health system in our community. Um, I left last June after 51 and a half years, so don't take retirement advice from me. Huh. You mentioned. Uh, I think I caught just bits and pieces being in the hospital, being seen by OT and PT who didn't do anything. And I'm just telling you, um, without needing to know any details, if that was in our system on my watch, I'll go back and smack some people because that should never, ever, ever, never happen. Hmm. Did we ever talk about OTs and PTs not doing enough, Dr. Weefald? Yeah, occupational therapists and physical yeah. therapists. Yeah. But let me let me just say that I loved the support staff at the hospitals I've worked in. I have seen uh, miracles. But like any other human being, um, things can get rushed and can get um, uh, over. People can get overworked, or they can perceive to be So let me just say this: for example, Dave, when you had your bypass surgery, right? Yes. You were uh, seen by occupational and physical therapists. Yes, I was. out of bed and they walked you around. Did yes. they put the harness on you to hold you up in case you fell? No. Okay. No, I so was I, never that bad. Yeah, I've seen that and I've seen some things. Um, I've had some situations where a patient will say, yeah, the occupational therapist came in, uh, asked me if I uh, could play checkers, and then said, great, and then left. Well, and I think that's pretty rare and few and far between. But I think one of the things that you also have to take into account is that in the hospital now, people are um, backing off on direct patient contact, um, specifically because of, of COVID and mm-hmm. that possibility. But I, I, I don't want get to get 
I don't want people to have the opinion or get the impression that I am uh, not uh, a supporter or um, extremely happy with the uh, care that my patients get from these ancillary services, uh, which are uh, vital and critical. Just that um, I have seen maybe a little more breakthrough of laziness um, lately, uh, but I hope that eventually goes away. Well, gentlemen, I think that every profession has got you know, you know a weak link. And, and I, I've, well, criticized, I've criticized physicians more than anybody else. Sure. Um, because I think we deserve it. Um, there are excellent, excellent things that we do. Right. Uh, and maybe COVID has, has leaked into this. But I think that we have given in to the insurance companies, to Medicare, uh, and um, to our, I hate to say it, our family lives. Right. Uh, by the way we are handling our patient interaction and rushing through them so that we can do our notes to quote-unquote get paid. Yeah. And um, I'm behind, <laughs> way behind on my charting. Uh, but oh my. let me tell you, I'm not treating the chart. I'm right. treating the patient. Right. Skip, thank you very much. Well, yeah, and again, my apologies. I could not hear Dr. Weeple very well, but uh, if, if that really happened to you, and, and I'm sure it did because otherwise you wouldn't have said it, sure. it should never happen, and um. I'm I'm still young enough to go and smack some people if I need to because <laughs> thank you, Skip. How, well, that, that's not how you know we deliver care, at least not you're, in the health systems a, uh, in in this yeah. community. You're a great. I can tell you're a great part of our healthcare system, and also a great American. <laughs> thank you. All right, thank you, Skip. Well, thank you, guys. Bye now. We talked about we the supply chain, Doctor Weefall. Yeah. Is that affecting medicines at all? Yeah, it is. Um, there are some things that um, we're having trouble getting, especially uh, those things that we need to get from China. Um, so uh, the, the key thing is that hospitals are working overtime and getting and trying to get um, together in uh, helping uh, each other hospital get what they need. So right. I found this to be true, that some of the hospitals in town are calling each other. Some belong to the same um, supply chain uh, companies right. and others don't. So uh, crutches, for example, are in short supply. What is that? Uh, crutches, because they're made of aluminum. Really? Aluminium. Uh, cane, as well, are in short supply. Wow. Um, I don't know if I told you my daughter broke her ankle falling off of a horse. Oh, my. And so we're lucky got the last set of crutches that were her size. She's tiny. She's four foot eleven. Yeah. Fully grown. Yeah. Um so uh pharmaceuticals are um not as affected some of the um rare medicines are. Yeah. Um but I think pretty much you don't have to worry about not getting an antibiotic. Right. Like I said, there is a silver lining and there is more collaboration across the healthcare field. I mean in this town, I can say it, yeah. Wake Med and, and Rex are mm -hmm. not friends, um, but they've been cooperating more. Um, I've had to send <laughs> some patients in the Wake Med system. Um, they have referred them uh, to Rex. Uh, That's great. Of, yeah, complications in, um, you know, uh, being able to get OR time. So I think that is fantastic. 
There is uh, a. We have time for me to shout out somebody again. Real you quick. sure do. Okay. So I told you my daughter broke her ankle. Yes. And, uh, she fell off a horse. And I called uh, my good friend, Lucas Roman, who is a orthopedic surgeon uh, with a Merge Ortho, which is yeah. a huge group. Uh, Durham, Raleigh, Chapel Hill. Right. Uh, and Smithfield um, and Clayton. And she had a wonderful experience. Um, got these titanium plates and screws put in her wow. fibula. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, uh, not only is Lucas Ramon a fantastic orthopedic physician, right. but with every interaction my daughter and my ex-wife have had in his office, they've come uh, back home with a really warm feeling in their hearts uh, that they've gotten uh, kind of caring. Uh, a kind and caring physician who takes right. care of them. Right. And uh, I want to shout him out. He went to Johns Hopkins, such as myself. So if you are in um, the Triangle area, I can uh, say that all the orthopedists are great. Right. I don't want you to think that only Lucas Romine is a great uh, orthopedic surgeon, but he certainly did well by me. Now, on the flip side, is oh, yeah. the bill I got. Oh, no. I have a. How much do you think? She was in the she was in an outpatient hospital situation for a yeah. grand total of about five hours. And what do you think the bill was? Five grand. Thirty eight thousand dollars. <laughs> no. And I'm not talking about Dr. Roman's bill. Uh, no, no, Dr. no. Dr. Roman's bill is I think gonna be about fifteen hundred dollars. Okay, the thirty eight grand, is that after the insurance? That's takes... for the hospital. That's for everything. Yeah, but that's, that's after the the I mean, you're not going to pay that, are you? No, no. Okay, so Blue Cross Blue Shield paid 19000 Oh, my gosh. So now they want eight grand out of me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, you so, know. You know, I, I, I'm at a, a situation in my life where I can afford this. But I'm asking, okay, suppose it were yes. one of my employees. Right. And I hadn't agreed in our uh, contract. But I'm self-insuring the deductible. The only way I could afford insurance for all of my people Doctor, is to self-insure the deductible. Doctor, we're running out of time. Our okay. news people want to talk, and we're going to give them the chance Let's to do, do that. That's coming up next on Heart Health Radio. Absolutely. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network, and more specifically, FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Dr. Weefald is out of town, but we're with him anyway by magic of phone. How you doing? I am good. I am actually looking at a dog right now. You're, when you say looking at a dog, you I'm mean you're... I'm looking at this gorgeous animal. It's yeah. It's black and white. It's walking down the street yeah. by itself. Oh, okay. And, oh, really? Uh, is, uh, I wonder where his owner is. But he's, he's calm. He's cool. He's collected. When you say looking at a dog, you know that some people interpret that as you're about to buy one. Uh, I have a dog um, coming. I, I, did I tell you, Dave, I had to give my big ones away? Uh, yes, the big ones are no longer in your little apartment, yeah, is what I'm saying. It's sad. I miss them. But they let a pit bull into the apartment building, and I went around the corner. Yes. Both of them, um, and they're both 180 pounds. 
I thought they were going to kill that pit bull because he snarled at him and attacked him. Yeah. But, of course, people who watched, it's like a hockey fight, right? Yes. The guy who throws the second punch in a hockey fight that gets the penalty box. Oh, and okay. Yeah, you're right. Sure enough, they blame my dog. And so I, to avoid trouble, they're now on a 15-acre farm with a pond. That's good. And I see them once a month, and they remember me. And I'm getting a toy Australian Shepherd. Oh, okay. I'm going from massive yeah. to tiny. Yeah, that's fine. You know, it's what best. What I to say, I'm looking at a dog, and it calms me down. Sure it does. And, yeah. I, of course, I'm calm now anyway. But I had the oxytocin effect, the love yeah. effect. And so if you're out there and you're lonely you know, or if you've had health problems, right. it's been proven, and we've said this before, dogs save lives. It hasn't been proven for cats. Yeah, no, 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 no. Cats will take years off your life. But the important thing, if you're going to get a dog, <laughs> get a dog that is calm, that uh, you can train very easily, and um, it really will take years off. Put years on your life. It take years. They won't take years off. Yeah. All right. Get there is some clinical research between depression and your almost favorite um uh, subject inflammation yeah so inflammation this is when your immune system is in overdrive this is right. the number one reason uh the only reason why people die of covid is because their immune systems overreact to the virus the virus does not actually chew up your tissue it is not a flesh-eating organism it your body destroys itself and inflation I'm sorry, that's another bad thing. That's another one, yes. Yeah, inflammation will uh, come on from chronic conditions. So those people who over-exercise and are proud of their injuries, it's a bad thing because your body's healing system is also connected to the immune system. Yeah. And the inflammation is basically a series of signals that float through your body and tell other immune cells to get active too. And when that happens, the immune cells, for example, in your heart artery, or mm-hmm. the arteries that are buried inside of the cholesterol plaque, can get very active and start excreting uh, different chemical compounds that will burst the plaque and lead to heart attack. That is why people who have influenza have a very high risk of heart attack if they have risk factors. Right. So inflammation also gets in the brain. And what can happen is when you have chronic inflammation, you can ruin the connections uh, uh, between different uh, nerve cells in your brain and, yeah. and lead to depression due to, a, and I'm going to use this term, I don't even know if people like to get away with that chemical imbalance. And so it's very important that you understand the means to get rid of inflammation, and that is don't over-exercise and injure yourself. You're, te- you're a doctor telling me not to over-exercise. Over-exercise. Exercise. Walk. Uh, do a little jogging as long as you have good shoes and protect your joints. Yeah, you're walk. telling me to do that, yes. but not over. Yeah, over. So, you know, that we had that lady on the show uh, who did 24 marathons in 20 yes. days. That is just absurd. Uh, and, and something that you need to know is that heavy marathon runners, those who do more than three or four marathons, a year, they're five years on average less than they would be uh, to have been expected if they hadn't done that. Right. And so eating 
low inflammatory foods is also important. And that's one of the things about the no-no diet. Simple carbohydrates will jack up your inflammatory system. Yeah. I'm not quite sure of the total mechanism, but that's the reason why not to, to work out on sugar. Now, obesity is associated with a higher risk of death from COVID. It's right. obviously associated with a higher risk of death from heart disease and stroke. Right. Mainly because of the inflammatory effects. People who haven't uh, or who are morbidly obese have very high levels of inflammation. Right. So if you want to know your inflammatory status, there's something you can check. It's fairly accurate um, to tell you and your physician um, what your uh, level of inflammation is, and it's called the C-reactive protein. Right. It is very easily measured in a routine blood test, and there are levels of C-reactive protein that, uh, when they're high enough, indicate that you are, if you have, for example, a history of heart disease, that you are at risk for another event, a heart attack or a stroke. Now, let me give you a personal example. When I found out I had a slight blockage in both my carotid arteries and neck arteries to the brain, and in my heart artery, I checked my cholesterol, and it's 178. That's the LDL. Right. It could be less than 100. My CRP was 9, very high. CRP, that's the thing i got to look for. C-reactive protein. Have you had your crap? No, I haven't, but I've had everything else checked in the last two months. Ask your physician. Sure. Next time, I want to know what your CRP is. So I went on high-dose statin, um, which I think are some of the greatest drugs ever invented. I went on uh, my little baby aspirin because that's anti-inflammatory as well. Right. And um, I went on turmeric and ginger and milk thistle. Yeah. Those are proven anti-inflammatory. And then I went on a medicine called Lipasa because my LDL only got down to 135. Um, I went on this injection that helps to lower cholesterol in a different way. Lipasa, it's a microdrug. It's one of the newest and best things for heart disease. We're going to see the benefits of that very quickly yeah. uh, in the next few years. But anyway, here's the numbers. My LDL is 11. Now, I'm not saying 111. I'm saying 11. So it went from 178 to 11. Wow. And I'm on Crestor 40, and I'm on an aspirin tablet, I'm on uh, Repatha. And then my CRP yes. went from what what was extremely high yeah. to less than one. In other words, it's so low they can't measure. All right, so I have a, I have a question about this inflammation okay. thing. You're against inflammation. I get that. Inflammation is good. Now, don't get me wrong. Yeah. You want to recruit your immune system through these chemical signals. Sure. But you don't want to overdo it. And you don't want chronic inflammation. Okay. You don't that's... want your body chronically inflamed. Okay. Here's my deal. My hips hurt a lot. You know, when I walk into work, and it's like an eighth of a mile from parking lot to desk, mm-hmm. my hips end up hurting. And coming back when there's uneven surface, that's even worse. Is that inflammation in your definition? Yeah. yeah, that's why it's important to get your C-reactive protein checked. Okay. Now, what are you doing about your hip? Are you doing anything about Yes, it? I'm going to physical therapy. What has happened, we talked earlier about, you know, getting approval for certain things. You get you need to get pre-approval. My orthopedist says he can't give me an approval. You know, all he can approve is an x-ray. He can't get me an approval for the next text up, which I think is the... The, uh, I don't know, the magnetic re- resonant yeah, image or the All right. something. Yeah. So this he, is the thing. He, he can't, okay? And I'm, okay. we're not going to name your physician. 
No, no, no. I've Here, forgotten. Here is the criteria. Yeah. He can get it, but you have to finish your physical therapy. Right. So having that, ordered these things. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing my physical therapy. Right. So here's what you have to have. Number one, you have to have x-rays. Yeah. That have not shown a fracture um, that have not explained fully the reason why you're in such pain. Right. You have to have tried anti-inflammatory medications okay. for All right. a total of three months. Then you have to have had at least six weeks of physician-directed physical therapy. Oh, boy. Now, here's what you need to know. It doesn't have to be in a physical therapist's office. Right. Um, there can be a set of exercises that you, as I'm saying, a physician, right. can print out and go over with the patient, have him or her do them at home, have it monitored, that is to say, either by telephone, calling up, seeing what they're doing. Sure. Having them come back and making sure they're doing it right. Now, when you failed all those things and right. document all those things, right. they will approve an MRI. Okay. So I go to the, which I, which I hate, the whole process I hate, because I, I think that I've got a structural thing that would be discovered on an MRI, but they're putting me through six weeks of physical therapy. Right. For so what I, what I would like to tell these insurance companies is that you're actually wasting money um, because physical therapy is very expensive. It's 125 bucks a pop. Really? So you're doing three times a week. For 12 weeks, do the math. And that is out of the patient's pocket for the most part. That is the copay that one has to pay in addition to what the insurance company pays. Now, really? there are people that you know are not going to benefit from physical therapy because right. the x ray already shows they have severe degenerative arthritis. Right. They have no space between the ball and the socket. Right. And yet, you have to do this. And the reason why you have to do it is because you can't explain it to a computer. You can't explain <laughs> it to the individual who's on the end of the telephone yes. who has a checklist that is basically the same thing as a computer list. Yeah. And he or her uh, are trying to um, uh, approve right. your MRI. But now, you... I go through this all the time. It gets approved. Dave. You will have an MRI. I will. It's going to take you a while. Yeah, okay. It's in gonna... England... Yeah. In England, you'll get it three years from now. Okay, so. It'd be free, but uh, I'd wait six months if I, we were in England. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, more than six months. More than six months. Okay. Yeah, with COVID now, the wait for an MRI is at least a year. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, the wait for an echocardiogram, which is one of my bread and butters, is the sound wave picture of the heart. Right. Nine months. Wow. Nine months. Okay. And it's just getting ridiculous. We need to we need to take a break, but I'll tell you what, uh, this has been a wonderful show for me because we've talked about all of my medical things, or most we all of my. Talked about no, we haven't talked about uh, the most important medical thing. What that, that is there for me? Being a, yeah, being calm enough and, and patient enough to spend two hours with me without without actually. Going it's to it's a very easy to spend two hours with you. And and that's uh, whether you're listening on the radio or whether you're participating here uh, with me. Uh, I'm just telling oh, you. Let's get it. Let's get another caller on the phone. Come on, Matt. All right. Tell somebody out there. Telephone nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. You are just seconds about the uh, away from the kind of detailed advice I just got. So I know all the questions I'm going to bring to my doctor next time, and I'm going to tell him Doctor Doctor Weefall said. <laughs> 
that this is what you got to do. Telephone number is 919-860-9783 on, making, uh, on the Heart Health Radio Network. Well, you know you make me want to shout, kick my heels up and shout, throw my hands up and shout. This is Heart Health Radio, where you can get better, stay healthy, and smart. Medical misinformation. Dr. Weefall, who are we shouting out this time? Paul Russell. I've shouted out Paul a bunch of times, but yeah. it's a particularly good shout-out time because I think it's educational. I want, I want the listeners to know about this topic. So, so Paul has a pacemaker. He's had atrial fibrillation. He's going to have to have that fixed again. Yeah. But then, you know, this is very subtle. And he's in the office, and I say, how you doing? And he says, I'm pretty much okay. So I start digging out, you know, how much exercise you get. And then finally he says, you know, I was at a restaurant. My son's grandson was going to go to the bathroom. I decided to go with him because I had to go. And I couldn't keep up. I was so short of breath. Mm-hmm. Make a long story short, not having a, a lot of chest discomfort as a primary complaint. So we did a stress test, very positive. He's had a stent before, but his cholesterol's been under good control. He's 85. So he gets a heart catheterization, and all three arteries are blocked. Oh, yeah. Okay? So the natural knee-jerk reaction is bypass her. And so I had a talk. We had our little conference. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, at 85 years old, he's got arthritis. He's had hips um, uh, operated upon and fixed because of the fall off a ladder. Yeah. Um, and he's getting to the point where, um, at 85 years old, when you do bypass surgery, even when you do it the way you had it, you still right. got to crack the chest. And yep. It can be a problem. You can get three vessels stenting. Now, you don't necessarily even have to have all three vessels open. A stent is a fairly easy procedure going through the leg or going through the wrist. Right. There are a company, one in a thousand chances of what's going on. But I think the major artery he had was left anterior descending. That's the Widowmaker. Get that fixed. And then he has another big artery on the left side. Get that fixed. He has a smaller artery in the back. And I think you can see medical therapy can help when you have single vessel disease. Now, are the statistics there? Yes. If somebody has three vessel disease, bypass surgery generally at five years makes you have a greater chance of living. But right. that study wasn't done in 85-year-old people. So what I want to tell the listeners is talk to your doctor right. and say, listen, bypass surgery at my age can lead to 10% of the time, 8% of the time, an infection, um, a stroke, uh, non-wound healing, chronic pain, yes. um, what we call pump head or dementia from being on a pump. Now, Dave, you had an excellent surgery that was yes. pump. They didn't use the heart-lung machine. It no pump head. I had no pump head. What I'm head. saying is sh- shouting out Paul and his family yeah. uh, for their support. Um, and I think that that's an educational thing. Uh, you don't necessarily ever have to have bypass surgery. If there are situations where there are potential complications from the surgery, talk to your physician about doing a stent and maybe choose. But also talk to your physician about whether complete revascularization, that is getting every single blockage, is really necessary. Right. What about putting a stent in the, in the most critical artery and 
treating the other two with medicines and see what happens. And I think Paul's going to do like, That's a wonderful great. human being. And I've been taking care of him for uh, over a decade. His family's wonderful. And that's one of the main reasons why he's doing so well. Very he's good. He's got the love and support of his family. That's well, let, medicine there is. Well, let's pick up with Bill in Raleigh. Hello, Bill. Welcome to Heart Health Radio. Thanks, Dave. Uh, this, this is Bill and Raleigh just checking in with you all. Uh, good show. Thank you. Uh, got a got a couple questions for the doctor. Sure. Um, I had the stroke and uh, I was on the Lipitor and, and uh, uh, Platics. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, over a year ago, you mentioned that there might be a problem with my left leg vascular. Well, since they reduced the um, Plavix and uh, we're in the process of reducing the Lipitor down to 40 milligrams, I'm noticing a return of pain in my left leg. Okay. Um, the, my question is, have you ever had any experience of using niacin in place of statin? Sure. Absolutely. Let me tell you about that. Niacin is a natural vitamin. B something or other. You know what it is, Dave? Is it B6? I don't remember. There's so many B vitamins. Now, niacin works by reducing your triglycerides, which are the fat in the blood. In order to take niacin, uh, you have to take, or in order, excuse me, in order for niacin to work, huge doses. We're talking about 500 to 1,000 milligrams. And when you take that much, there is a syndrome that is called red man syndrome flush because niacin will also bring the blood out to your skin. Now, here's the problem with niacin, is that it hasn't ever been shown to reduce the risk of a heart attack. Now, that has been shown for all stats. Yes, it is true that you can get leg aches and leg cramps, and you can get joint aches from a stat. It's fairly less common than you think. One of the things that we can do is put someone on CoQ10. Did they put you on that to see if it helps? Bill, you can't listen on the radio. you got to listen on the phone. I think Bill's problem might be that it's very difficult to hear you on the phone. Yeah. Bill, did okay. they put you on CoQ10? No, 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 they haven't. Okay. No, so, um, yeah, one of the things, yeah, you can ask your doctor. CoQ10 is a, is a vitamin-like compound. And it seems yeah. to prevent the muscle aches from statin. Now, there are newer non-statin medications out. One of them is called Nexlazet, and it is a non-statin cholesterol medication that works in the same kind of way. It, it prevents the liver from making too much cholesterol. That has been shown not to cause a lot of leg aches. The one you may wish to talk to your doctor about is Rapatha. That is the injectable one. It's given by an injection pen. I, I take it. You don't, it doesn't hurt. Um, and it uses a different pathway. It is not associated with leg cramps. It's a totally different type of medication. And so if you've tried reducing the atorvastatin, if you've tried CoQ10, and that doesn't reduce the leg aches, talk to your physician about Rapatha or next Lizette, that's N-E-X, L-I-Z-E-T, and they're both good medicines for reducing cholesterol. The only difference is the statins have been shown to reduce death from heart attack. The other two have not yet been shown to do that, but I suspect they will. 
and it's an alternative, is when you do get these lead cramps and joint ache transmission. It's absolutely All right, Bill, thank you very much. I appreciate the question. Yeah, uh, Dave? Yes. Um, my, my father had um, um, a multiple heart problems. Uh, he uh, was prescribed with many medications, and I, I, at the time, I didn't realize the effects that the medications were having on him. Yeah. And that's the reason why I'm so concerned about what medications that I might be taking that I might uh, change to, to go to more natural things because uh, sure. um, my, my father died at 67. Uh, he had quadruple uh, bypass at ResMed when he, when he was 47 years old. And uh, I'm just... Uh, trying to learn from his experiences and, and, and uh, how much we've progressed since that time as far as medicine and techniques go. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's, that's... I, I think, yeah, that's real reasonable. And if you want to go the natural route, um, I think that there's a bunch of natural things you can do. Number one, walk. I'm talking 30, 40 minutes brisk walk every day. Number two, stay away from sugar, white flour, um, white rice, you know, sugary drinks, sauces, I mean, sauces, things like that. Try not to eat a lot of grapes and peaches and stuff because you want to reduce that level of inflammation. Some of the big, and you know, talk about natural, some of the big medicines coming out in the future, in, which aren't natural, are aimed at reducing inflammation, and they've been shown to reduce heart attacks. The other thing you can do, uh, in, and I don't know if you should take an aspirin every day, check with your doctor, because there are now situations where we're not recommending aspirin. But turmeric is a spice. It lowers inflammation. Very good. There's controversy about fish oil. I think that some people definitely benefit from taking fish oil. Um, ginger and, and milk thistle also work to reduce inflammation. And there is one type of fat that is almost not on the market anymore, okay? Um, that you want to stay away from. It's a saturated trans fat, and they've taken that out. Of all the fats, that's the only one that I think you should reduce. Now, olive oil, as opposed to other types of oil, may really help you in terms of, of keeping things under control. I can tell you right now, you will not be able to lower your cholesterol tremendously, but it may not be necessary. If you can do all these things and not smoke, and then here's the final one I want to tell you, natural, a natural way to reduce your risk of heart disease. Get sleep. Get uninterrupted sleep. Be rested. Don't cheat on your sleep. We know now that that's one of the biggest things that leads to heart disease and fatal heart attacks is the lack of sleep. I don't have time to go into how to get good sleep, but I think if you're not sleeping well, Google it, how to get better sleep. There are so many different ways to do it. Doctor, um, thank yeah. you. We, we've unfortunately run out of time. No way. That is Heart Health Radio. Thank you, Bill. God bless.